1: The premier podcast for all things Penn State football.
0: Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Smith and Johnny
1: McGonagall. Welcome into this edition of the Blue White Breakdown, Penn State Rutgers Week. He's Johnny McGonagall. I'm Dustin Smith. We're looking at that matchup, and we're really Johnny, thinking about the future a little bit more. I know this has come up a bit after the Indiana game and, and the Maryland game. And, you know, there's two weeks left in the regular season. So it's easy to think about, uh, you know, maybe not even bowl so much, but about the future of this roster. And like, I know for one, um, I'm very bullish on on Penn State in 2023. So we'll talk about a couple of those dynamics as well. But let's just gather some Penn State Rutgers thoughts, and it's kind of tough to say much unique about this matchup because it feels like you know a lot of Penn State Rutgers matchups from from the past, where Rutgers, I'm sure, will come will, will ha- come with a spirited effort and they'll be spunky and they'll be gritty. But in the end, I mean, it's just there's just not enough talent in Piscataway to really make a game out of out of out of an event like this.
0: Yeah, Dustin, look, it's one of those things where if you're James Franklin and you're the players in that in that last building with Penn State, you can go ahead and look and see, oh, yeah, Rutgers, they they were, you know, keeping up with Michigan you know, in the first half only a few weeks ago. And if you're Franklin, you're showing that that tape, that stat line, that box score, I'm sure, to the guys in that locker room saying, hey, you can't go on the road and just mess around here. This is still a Big Ten team. And. Uh, you know, you can point to the early parts of the season where you could see Rutgers seemingly making some strides, at least defensively. Uh, but I mean, look, if you just put on the film and you look at what this team has done in recent weeks, they've just been gashed on the ground like crazy against, you know, not only Ohio State, you know, a month ago, but Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, they these are teams that are built to run the ball and uh, you know, more so Minnesota and Michigan, and uh really could do it. You know, anytime they wanted to, I mean, they were just getting chunk play after chunk play and grinding wins out and doing so in convincing fashion in Minnesota, Michigan's case. And I kind of see the same thing happening here for Penn state. I mean, Catron Allen, Nick Singleton, you know, buckle up boys. You're getting another 15 to 20 carries each, um, especially if the weather is bad this weekend.
1: And there really is no need to overthink it. You know, like I, I, I remember I, I did a, a Maryland podcast uh, last week and it was like, what's the formula for Penn State? And it really is just like, don't screw it up. Like, uh, you know, do, stick to that formula. that's worked so well. The 15 to 20 carries a piece for, for those two is a really good start. Uh, avoid a Sean Clifford or anybody else mishap. You know, don't give Rutgers hope. Don't give them a short field. Uh, one other thing that I would add to that list is just to be wary of, you know, a special, a, 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 a fake punt. Uh, gadgetry, you know, the, I think Greg Shiano is going to, um, swing for the fences pretty early in this game, just knowing what he's up against. And I think it's up to Penn state to just kind of keep that under control. But, you know, Rutgers, I, I, I admire what Greg Shiano can do with what he has, but, you know, I, I just don't think they've had enough for a long time. And that's especially true at the quarterback position. You know, when is the last time that you can think that Rutgers had an adequate, quarterback let alone a game-changing quarterback it just hasn't hasn't been there for him and in a matchup like this where Penn State's so good on the back end of the defense whether Joey Porter Jr. does or doesn't play I don't think it changes the narrative that much they've been so good up front winning one-on-one matchups you know the mathematically it's just not gonna be there for for Rutgers they're gonna have to do some crazy stuff just to try to get a few points on the board and I know in our predictions there was a prediction or two for a shutout.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was me. Um, look, I, I I wasn't able to look at the rest of them. Did you predict a shutout as well, or no? What what, what did you
1: have? I said thirty-one-six, um, just because I just don't think I had the courage to pick a shutout. I it, it's it's hard to forecast a lot of um, good things happening for Rutgers. I'll say that.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a Rutgers offense that is averaging under 20 points a game and they've been held to 10 or fewer three times this year, including a goose egg against Minnesota a few weeks back. Uh, Look, unless, you know, Greg Ciano pulls out really all the stops, this feels like a game that, you know, they'll have to like come out of, come out of halftime and, you know, on the opening kickoff, try an onside kick, you know, just do, do anything to try to create some juice for this team and uh, create short fields, uh, that, and that's the biggest thing with Clifford is just don't turn the ball over this week, man. Like, do not throw an interception or, or two, because again, this Rutgers offense needs all the help they can get, all the short fields they can get. And as long as Clifford takes care of the ball and Penn State runs the ball, I just don't see a scenario in which Rutgers, unless something happens on special teams, is going to drive the length of the field on this Penn State defense the way they're playing right now. I mean, the way they were able to get after Talia Tagalvailoa last weekend. You know, you could you could tell from the jump that the, they were just all over this dude from start to finish. And, you know, even if like you said, even if Joey Porter doesn't play, Caitlin uh, King has been really good uh, at corner. Also, um, you know, Wilson and uh, and Johnny Dixon as well. And so you, you're confident that those guys will hold up and Jair Brown and his return to New Jersey, you know, Trenton kid, you know, and potentially, you know, look, not potentially. It's one of his last games at Penn State. He doesn't have any more eligibility after this season. So. I just think the defensive effort and if Penn State just sticks to the game plan offensively, this could be a shutout. And Dustin, I went back and I looked the last time that Penn State uh, pitched back-to-back shutouts, 1996, uh, Northern Illinois and Temple back-to-back. Now, I didn't go back to, you know, 95, 94 uh, to see if there were any more. This may be, if if it happens, maybe Penn State's first ever back-to-back shutouts in Big Ten play. So. You know, would I be surprised if Rutgers puts up 10, 13, 14 points? No, not necessarily. But would I be surprised if uh, they put up a goose egg? No, I wouldn't, given how this Penn State defense is playing and how Rutgers offense is.
1: And I think, you know, the only real bit of drama, the way, you know, the best I can tell is Penn State covering the spread, which I I like it, man. I mean, last I saw was in the 20 to 21 range. And I know things can happen. I know Rutgers does play, you know, pretty stout and disciplined defense. And so Penn State being able to score, we'll see. But, you know, that one-two punch of running backs, they're going to get their points. And I do think that they're going to get there a, a couple short fields as well. Um, you know, the the pathway to a shutout is where I, is just what I find interesting. And I think uh, the juice that Penn State had the last two weeks is encouraging for a game like this. You know, if they can get up for Indiana after that big three-week stretch, if they can get up for Maryland. Um, and then what I think, you know, last week against Maryland is is backups finished off the shutout. Uh, so, you know, there is a scenario where reserves play, where Rutgers gets a chance against Penn State's second or third stringers. There's a chance of of a, a blocked punt or something like that. So I'm accounting for all kinds of different things. Uh, but I had to talk myself into giving, giving Rutgers points, if we're being honest about it.
0: I think I saw somewhere that Rutgers team total, if you're a true sicko and you look at this kind of stuff, uh, that Rutgers team total is around like 13 or 13 and a half. I mean listeners you know where yeah you know where I stand on that you know where Dustin stands on that uh don't blame us, us if you take it and it doesn't hit but um yeah it's look even Pentate's second second string uh defense we've seen guys like Zachy Wheatley and Jalen Reed I mean these guys are barely even second stringers with how often they play with the first string defense you know Isaiah Izzard and just that depth you know Zane Durant I can just keep naming names, Dustin, but these guys have just been, you know, really showing up over the last few weeks. And, uh, and I think this team as a whole, you know, once they lost to Ohio State and Jonathan Sutherland talked about this a little bit after practice last night about how just the team's response to losses this year has been different than in years past. And um, I think that they look at the, these, this closing stretch and they looked at it, you know, going back to the Indiana game, looked at this closing stretch as an opportunity uh, to really assert themselves and and finish strong and get to ten and two and go to a really nice bowl game and uh, I don't think they're gonna you know come in lightly and, and be you know sleepwalking here in Piscataway. It's easy to do uh, if it was a noon kick I maybe maybe I would think differently, but with it being three thirty, they'll get a little extra shut eye and I think they'll be all right.
1: One dynamic that I think exists on this team is there are so many young guys on the, on the two deep. That there's something for them to play for all the time, you know. There's there there's, uh, you know, deny Dennis Sutton for example, a Zane Durant who who comes off a, a big week, you know, the motivation is kind of there to keep on building for them. You know, they they don't have to go through the motions or whatever because I think they're still in that phase of their career where they're grateful to see the field and they're grateful to have the opportunity. I think um I think that kind of sets a tone even to the veterans too that you know you can't sleepwalk through anything at this point. Um. So, yeah, you know, barring a sleepwalking performance, I think we both like uh, Penn State to cover. I love that under 13 and a half for, or whatever it is for, for Rutgers. I, I love that. They're going to need a lot of help if they're going to get past two touchdowns.
0: It's going to be real if there's like a backdoor, like punt, reco- like punt block or something with like a minute left. Clip, clip this if this happens uh but yeah uh so, <laughs> that would be brutal
1: this is the blue white breakdown welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary everyone's journey is different and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant have questions google cure pa or stop by one of our 18 locations across the commonwealth If there were an over/under for when Drew Aller makes an appearance in this game, what what would you think? Third quarter, earlier, later, or, or perhaps not at all?
0: I, I look. I think everyone would like to see, and maybe not everyone, but a lot of people would like to see him get some second quarter reps. You know, still against like a Rutgers. You know, whether it's like say fourteen nothing or seventeen nothing, just to get him some more high leverage, quote unquote, reps. Uh, But I I look with what James Franklin has done this season, the formula has been, uh, you know, have, you know, uh, Sean Clifford start the second half, get a score coming out of halftime and then put Aller in. I mean, Aller didn't get in until I think three or four minutes left in the third quarter against it uh, against Maryland. And we all knew that game was over pretty much on the first play. Uh, And so I I would set it around mid mid third quarter and then you have him ride out uh, the rest of the game from that point on.
1: I hope, and no disrespect to Tank Smith, but I, I hope that he gets more of a look uh, with the first-team offense, with a viable threat uh, behind him in the in the backfield, with maybe a first-teamer or two on the offensive line, so he can really simulate an actual game experience. Um, Taylor Stubblefield, we heard from him earlier uh, today, Thursday, as we talk about this. But uh, what did he have to say about the future of Penn State's wide receivers room? Speaking of the future. Because you're looking at it, Mitchell Tinsley is gone after this season. Parker Washington very well could be. Um, uh, we'll see what comes back with his draft grade. And if both of those guys are gone, then it's like you don't really have uh, clear cut anything. You got numbers, you've got talent, but you don't really have anything solidified on that depth chart.
0: Yeah, Penn State's wide receiver room could find itself in a interesting situation next year because he you know, came into this year knowing. Really, that even though he didn't get the touchdowns earlier in the year and the production wasn't necessarily what some people thought it would be, that Parker Washington came into the season as the number one wide receiver after being the clear number two, you know, last year behind Jahan Dotson. And you figure, OK, this is a a natural and obvious successor uh, to Dotson. Now, if. Parker Washington, you know, ends up leaving, you know, again, that's still a decision that he'll have to make, you know, if he stays healthy and, and the grades come back and all these things, there's a lot of variables that go into this, but he is a talented guy. And if he decides to take that next step uh, to the NFL, that natural successor isn't there at wide receiver. You look at the production this year, Mitchell Tinsley's Penn State's number two receiver. He's in his only year of eligibility left after transferring over from uh, Western Kentucky. Uh, you've got then behind him. Uh, you've got Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson as the next leaders in terms of receiving yards on this team. And so, you know, you're looking at Harrison Wallace, a redshirt freshman. Uh, redshirt freshman uh, Liam Clifford, who's a redshirt freshman, who's seemingly in the last couple of weeks built a rapport uh, with Drew Aller, you know, the heir apparent at, at quarterback next season. Uh, you got some third year guys in Jaden Doten. You know, Keandre Lambert Smith has uh, shown his ability to, to get some yards after the catch. Um, Malik Miega, And then you've got a really, you know, you've got a crop of freshmen and uh, the five guys, because Christian Driver is, uh, you know, has played both sides of the ball this year. Uh, But the son of Donald Driver is going to stick at wide receiver. That's what James Franklin said after Wednesday's practice that he feels more comfortable there. And so you've got, you know, 10 guys there. And then you add in a couple of 2023 guys and, um, you know, Carmelo and uh, Taylor and, uh, you know, and Shakir as well. So who knows what this room will ultimately look like after, you know, transfers in, in and out and all that. And, and if those two guys stay committed and signed. But, man, it, it, it feels like it's just a weird spot um, that, like you said, a lot of guys, but maybe not a, a dude necessarily, at least not, you know, ready and you know ready to go.
1: Yeah. And I, I, it's an interesting position to be in because, number one, you think, OK, Mitchell Tinsley has been a pretty good success story in the transfer market. Could Penn State be back in that market? And I think absolutely yes. Um, it's just hard to, you know, Keiondre Lambert Smith. We've seen him for, for three seasons now, and instead of you know taking his biggest step forward yet, I would argue that there's been a little bit of a regression and some drops and things like that. His role certainly hasn't grown. Uh, Harrison Wallace the third, I think, is is another prime candidate, maybe. But uh, have you seen enough to to really say, hey, he can be a number one? I don't think that that's true yet. Um, I do I'm glad you mentioned Liam Clifford and that blossoming rapport with Drew Aller because he will be an interesting guy. Like I don't think Liam Clifford will ever be the guy who's gonna be the number one target in anybody's pecking order, but a really important guy, whether he's from the slot or whatever, just that move the chains grinder that you've seen so many times. And I know that you know Taylor Stubblefield talked about him a bit. Um, but I, I think they would absolutely be in the market for a veteran wide receiver in the transfer portal. I don't think it's life or death if they don't get one, because I think there, you could have a pleasant surprise or two here. You could also have the dynamic when you have the right quarterback. You know, the New England Patriots did it for years with Tom Brady. When you have the right quarterback, you don't need to invest as heavily in standout stud wide receivers. So there's also that component of it, too.
0: Man, it's only 2022. We already got a Drew Aller, uh, Tom Brady comparison. No, I, I, I know, I know what you're saying. I, I, I get, I get what you're saying completely. And uh, and yeah, it'll it'll be interesting too, just to keep an eye on the off season and not just with Parker Washington's impending you know decision, but again, like not only the portal incoming, but the portal outgoing. Because as much as you know, if you asked every player individually in the locker room, you you might have asked the coaches and. They'll say, hey, yeah, everyone's happy. Everyone's great. But when you've got that many guys, especially at, at receiver, and that's a position that, you know, regardless of what anyone might say, like there's a little bit of selfish to everyone of everyone of receiver. They, they want the ball. Right. And so uh, when you have that many guys in that room, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see one or two leave. And so we'll have to keep tabs on that. Uh, Harrison Wallace is one, though, that I, I have seen flashes from. And again, flashes is not consistency uh but you know you saw the 48 yard catch at um at Michigan the 47 yarder against Minnesota uh you know it was a tight squeeze you know for Drew Aller at Indiana but you know catching that pass in the back of the end zone for his first career touchdown these are little moments these are things that he, a young guy like that can build on and uh so i think that's a good sign but again you know and another guy that we didn't mention um you know i mentioned the freshman as a whole but Amari Evans playing in 9 of 10 games so far this season uh, has a touchdown earlier in the season. He's, he ranks fifth on the team uh, in wide receiver snaps this year, which I think is a big deal for a true freshman. Uh, you know, Caden Saunders is a guy that's going to redshirt. Anthony Avi is redshirting. Uh, Tyler Johnson, redshirting. So, um, you know, it might be a, a steeper hill for those guys to climb in terms of getting playing time next season. But uh, the offseason's long, and and we'll see what the roster looks like this time next year. It could be It could be very different.
1: You mentioned Christian Driver. I just wanted to bring this up real quick. Um, He had been working at cornerback with the idea of transitioning to safety. And I know when Penn State signed him, there was a good bit of discussion about offense, defense, and I'm pretty sure before he was signed, Christian Driver wanted to play offense. The Penn State coaching staff felt better about him on defense. Now in the end, and I think this is a modern day college football situation where you kind of err on the side of, of, of the young kid that you like being comfortable, and he's more comfortable at wide receiver. So that's where we'll see him. And there's also, you know, bigger shoes to fill at the wide receiver position with, the, with his dad, Donald Driver.
0: Yeah. And uh, Taylor Stubblefield was actually asked about uh, Donald Driver uh, today during uh, his Zoom with uh, reporters. And uh, funny enough, Taylor Stubblefield, I think he said, I think it was 2010, he said he was an intern actually with the Packers. And that's when Donald driver was still playing and he was going through an injury at the time. And he actually took uh Taylor under his wing at that point. And then, you know, funny enough, now Stubblefield is is coaching his kid. Uh, and so he, he did say that, you know, he likes to talk shop sometimes, you know, chop it up with uh, Donald in terms of just talking about wide receiver work and all that kind of stuff. But uh, there's obviously a barrier there. Uh, you know, Stubblefield is, you know, driver's coach, you know, and so. He's, he's just another guy that, you know, we could see take strides in the offseason. And I think, too, just looking ahead, uh, you know, we're talking about Rutgers now. You got Michigan State and you got that bowl game. And I think those 15 practices are really big for guys like, you know, Anthony Ivey and you know, Christian Driver and Caden Saunders and uh, even Harrison Wallace. Like, you know, those those practices mean so much uh, to younger guys and their development. and uh, And and you also like to see in a bowl game. Uh, You know, obviously, if it's a big game, you want to you want to win it, but you also want to see some of those guys play if they can. And so, um, you know, we'll have to keep, you know, keep an eye on that as well.
1: These are among the things that we'll be watching Saturday. We are going to work off the assumption that Penn State's going to have a relatively easy time with this Rutgers team. So we're going to be eyeing who's on the field, who plays, who doesn't. Uh, so keep an eye on that. That's Johnny McGonagall. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith for this episode of the Blue White Breakdown. Be sure to check us out everywhere podcasts are, including Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. As always, you can also find everything else we do at penlive.com/slash Penn State And we'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live.